All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Off The Track. Another interview Nick and I have been lucky to secure with one of the top jockeys going around in Sydney at the moment. We're pretty excited, eh, mate? Yeah, very excited. Um, we've got probably the best apprentice jockey going around at the moment. Pretty exciting. We've got Tyler Schiller here. Uh, yes, of course, like you said, Tyler Schiller becoming the jockey to follow in the Sydney ranks. He's quickly rising up the uh, leaderboard for the Jockey Premiership. Only a few years ago, he was riding his very first winner in his very first race, and it was a sign of the great things to come. He's managed to recently snag his first Group 1 only a few short years later. He is also known as the best-dressed jockey in the room. Tyler Schiller, how are you, mate? Good boy. How are we? Not too bad, not too bad. Just before we get into today's episode, mate, just want to give a shout-out to our new sponsors at Stridal. Nico, you've owned horses before, haven't you? Yes, I have, mate. Well, now racehorse ownership has never been easier thanks to Stridal's marketplace. That's right, mate. Stridal have partnered with trusted trainers, syndicators, and stud farms from Australia and New Zealand. You can search and compare the best horses available at different prices to suit your budget. It's essentially your one-stop shop for getting into horse ownership. Whether you're a seasoned vet or a curious beginner, Stridal has an option for you. Head over to their website at stridal.com now. It's time to experience the thrill of the track and the joy of owning a champion. Um, so I guess we'll get straight into it. We like to ask all of our guests, where did it all begin? What drew you into becoming a jockey? And, you know, what just lent you into the industry? Uh, that was probably family motivated. I um, was in the harness racing industry coming up with my dad and pop when I was younger. So I always had a love for horses, but I'd say becoming a jockey was just, watching them on TV and watching them go around, winning races. Fair enough. So you say the industry, the trots industry, what was the biggest difference you found with thoroughbreds compared to trots? Um, definitely the money, but um, <laughs> I'd say the prestige. Yeah. Did you find the transition hard, easy? What was it like from going to almost being a driver to jockey? Um. I actually found it fairly comfortable. Well, as soon as I got to Phil Sweeney's, he sort of taught me how to ride really quickly, which helped a lot with my career because before that I was just treading water when I was about 16 because I couldn't ride. Yeah, Fair enough. So you went from racing picnics in the middle of nowhere to Metro Saturday Meets in Sydney in a very short space of time. Was that move pretty confronting for you or...? Yeah, um, going from the non-tabbers for your first four kilos and then going to the tab meetings down around Wagga, there's a pretty big difference between the Wagga jockeys and the Sydney Metro ranks. So definitely was a big daunting move, but um, I'm glad it's one that paid off. Fair enough. And that, what was the decision to move? Was it mostly the, following the money and the prestige like you were talking about? Um. It was more I ran out of claim down in the country, so I had to go to the metro somewhere. Um, my old boss wanted me to go to Melbourne, but I definitely wanted to come to Sydney just because of the big races and big trainers up here. I always was swayed by, by that. Fair enough. And um, your relationship with Mark New- Newnham, um, how did that come about? Uh, it was a funny one. I went with... Phil Sweeney and then when I decided I wanted to come to Sydney I rang a few trainers and one of my friends down at Wagga actually was 
working for Tim Donnelly, who's very good friends with Mark. And when he caught wind that I wanted to come to Sydney, he um, got on to Mark and got, got me to ring Mark. So it fair, was fair enough. more a friend of a friend. Yeah, nice. Other than Mark, is there any other trainers that you've worked with, even like recently, that you've really clicked with? And like, which one would you say do you have the strongest relationship with? Uh, I've got a few good good combinations up in Sydney. I'd say Gerald Ryan and Joe Pride would be one of my main supporters. Gerald's got great horses and he gave me my first provincial winner when I moved up here, so he's always supported me. But Joe, Joe's also been great. I've got a great strike rate with him and obviously won the Group 1 for him the other day. So 100%. No, there's a lot of support up here. 100%. So back to Mark. Of course, he's going over to Hong Kong, isn't he? So how's that going to work? Like, is your apprenticeship coming to an end before he goes or do you have to find yourself a new master trainer? How's that all working? Yeah, I'll um, find a new boss for the last two months of my apprenticeship. I'll, I think I'll end up at Ronnie Quinton, which will be good because he's sort of similar to Mark. He's a very good apprentice trainer and um, I'm sure he's got a lot, a lot of knowledge for me to learn. 100%. Is he also based at the same track? Yeah, he's at Ramwick as well. Oh, nice and easy. So being in that learning phase of your career, like going from um, Sweeney to Newnham, of course there probably would have been growing pains, like you said. It's a big difference being at the Wagga picnics compared to those Sydney Saturday metros. So I just want to know, do you ever cop any sprays or twos from trainers or senior jockeys when you first made that move? Um, I've had one from Lee McGorry. But I'd say he's pretty he's pretty known for it. Um, we're we're mates, but he's definitely a competitor on the track. So other than him, it's been pretty cruisy. Um, I try to stay out of everyone's way and on their good side. Oh, that's good. What did that entail? What did, did you cut him off or? Um, I sat outside of him the whole way, and <laughs> I was apparently riding tight. So that was probably back when I was riding in the provincials. I think. I've changed a bit at the moment, but yeah, that was that was the one I remember the most. Oh, that's good. It's good that you haven't copped too many sprays. But um, on that, of course, mistakes obviously do happen, and so do accidents. And of course, that's just the nature of the game with racing. It's very dangerous. It's just the nature of the job. We wanted to get your thoughts as someone that's actually done it, because of course, there's been a lot of falls recently, and there's been tons of speculation from people that have never actually ridden a horse. So we want to get from your perspective, someone who does it every day for a living, anything that could potentially be done to fix it, or is that just the way things are? Uh, it's definitely dangerous. It's a game of inches. Um, I'd say the more experienced jockeys are a lot better at preventing accidents, but obviously there's been a few in the Metro ranks in Melbourne at the moment. Um with the big money and carnivals coming around, it's a lot of high pressure racing, which um, involves a lot of risk. But uh, it's definitely a thing that has to be looked at. That they they need to probably police a bit, little bit harsher, just so we do stay safe. Yeah, hundred percent. Because it's getting a bit worrying. Have you personally ever had a big fall? No, I haven't touched wood. I've been very lucky. The only fall I've had that's been at speed was um, when I got bucked off down at Gundigai one Sunday and I hit a 
sign. Oh, gee, oh, no, you need a geez. sign? <laughs> oh, God. What at was least, that? At least the... you find the funny side of it, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I certainly was... wouldn't be laughing if it happened to me. There was a big article on it, so that happened probably a year ago now, but it wasn't one of my smarter decisions going down there for a Sunday to get the Sunday Arvo shift off. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that, running down the straight at Randwick and all of a sudden you collide with the 400 metre sign. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, back to racing in your career. You've already outridden your claim. It went very quickly, so congratulations to that in first. But coming out of it, were you a bit nervous knowing that you no longer got to have that half a kilo, one kilo, three kilo claim on the weekend? Yeah, definitely. It's very tough without it. You still have the A next to your name being an apprentice, so everyone still looks at you as very inexperienced. And um, it's good that I still get opportunities and can um, can still be winning races without the claim because it'd be a lot tougher coming out of your claim with no momentum. But because I had all my momentum up, it sort of just rolled on. Um, but I said the last last day of my claim on Boxing Day last year, so a couple of those races were only won by a nose, so without the one and a half, it, it was definitely going to get tougher. Oh, 100%. Did you seek out any top jockeys or even Mark himself to try and get some advice on if there would be any difference there? Yeah, I went straight into Mark after Boxing Day and asked him if there was anything I could improve on just to try and get a little bit more of an edge. Um, coming out of my claim and yeah he sat me down and said there's not a lot to change but just keep going the way I am and hopefully improve little by little Oh that's good, you've definitely made sure to keep it rolling in that improvement because you're on the way to potentially setting a record you know you're now up there with the the Berries and the Anglins and the Bowmans how does that feel, do you feel the pressure at all or you just water off the back sort of thing? No, I don't really feel any pressure. I definitely want to complete my goals, but um, they're definitely inside at the moment. I've got 48 winners in the Metro, so not too far off where I want to be now, but still got to work hard and keep keep reaching towards them. Yeah, fair enough. I just want to touch quickly on the culture and relationship between you and the other apprentices. Um, I saw on the at the races on Saturday... Even if the some of the apprentices weren't racing, they were coming down the fence and cheering you boys on. Are you guys all good mates, or? Yeah, definitely. The um, the four of me, Dylan, Reese, and Zach, yeah, uh, we're very good, very good friends. And to see Dylan win a Group One a couple of weeks after I did it was bloody unreal for for him and his family. They're they're a great family, and Dylan's a great kid. And no, it was it's really good camaraderie in the room. Um, Reese has won a group two and Zach's on his way to riding in a few group ones as well so we're all going really well and it's great to see actually 100% and you guys we, we've spoken to Dill before he was actually our first interview on the podcast um, and he, he says he likes a bit of golf do you guys get out there and play a bit of golf together as well or is it just what, what do you guys usually do together are you guys only really mates when you're at the track or do you guys hang out what, what's the go yeah, we live a bit all over the place. Dylan's up at Newcastle, but we've played golf a couple of times at Wild at Coinda Waters, and um, we've played out Warwick Farm with me, Zach, Robbie, and a couple of mates. So 
we try to keep in touch as much as possible, but mostly gaming because sort of that's an easiest way to do it. Yeah, fair enough. And who's the best gamer out of you four? Um, I don't know. Maybe Zach or Dylan. Yeah. Reese you, doesn't play much, but yeah. You don't rate yourself? Nah, I'm not too good. I try hard, but that's <laughs> about, about as good as it gets. What sort of games are you guys getting online with? Uh, we play COD. Yeah, Warzone or? Yeah, yeah, we're playing Warzone for a bit there. Yeah, very nice, very nice. All right, we'll, get, we'll come back into racing for a bit here. So in your short career so far, um, who do you think would be your favourite favorite horse to ride so far? Um, uh, I'd probably have to say Harmony Rose. She was always a grousey animal, but to win the Aubrey Cup on her was pretty good. Good kick in my career along and always loved riding her. She was always hard to ride, but I seemed to get along with her well. Yeah, very nice. Very nice. Is she uh, expected for any more races or has she been retired? Yeah, she broke down after the Albury Cup win, so she's often, I think she's actually in folder, so you think, so she's oh, good. probably not too far off, off foaling. Yeah, because I thought so, because I remember that she hadn't really been seen since the Aubrey Cup, I just wasn't sure what happened if she'd been retired or shame to hear. Yeah. But hopefully, you know, the progeny is good and maybe you can, in a couple of years' time, ride the son or daughter. Yeah, hopefully. If it was drafty as her, they'll have a bit of will to win anyway. <laughs> oh, that's good. Building on your favourite horses, of course. We've, you touched on it earlier, your biggest wins. Um, I'm sure your favourite wins would probably include front page in the Kosciuszko and more significantly the Group 1 on Maria Mia. So... What was it like to win those two big races only a few months apart? Yeah, it was great. I thought when I won the Cozzy, I thought that was the biggest race I was going to win for a fairly long time. But to come out and win the Galaxy on Maria Mia was um, unreal. Winner of Group 1 as an apprentice and to be able to do it for Joe. He's a great trainer and he supported me a lot coming through. So, yeah, bloody unreal feeling and to be able to be getting those opportunities at such a early stage in my career is fantastic. Oh, 100%. Did it come as a shock? Of course, you're always going out there to win, but, like, did you have a feeling like you had a few Group 1 rides on the day? Did you think, okay, maybe today's the day I get the monkey off the back and get that first Group 1, or...? Yeah, I went out there confident enough, but I didn't expect anything. I knew I drew a good gate. I was on a great mare that had proven herself in group company, but to be going up against previous last start group one winners like Uncommon James, um, I know we met him well at the weights, but to come out and actually knock him over and feed him that, that comfortably, I thought, yeah, it was bloody good feet by the mare. 100%. Would you say that Maria Mare is now your horse going forward? Like, we know that, you know, jockeys can often become synonymous with horses after big wins and stick on them. Do you think you don't want anyone kicking you off Maria Mao? Yeah, I'd like to think I could stick with her. Um, I think she's going to the Doom and 10,000 next start, and I'd love to get the call up to go up there and ride her. And I'm sure after the TJ, she's run a great race there behind some great sprinters, so she's on the right path for the Doom and 10,000. Oh, she's a beautiful horse. She's really come out of nowhere this prep, were you honouring the track work at all 
like back towards the start of the prep before she came out and started non-stop winning? Did, or were you just plonked on the first ride and away it went? No, I didn't ride a work at all. I was actually supposed to ride her first up at Rose Hill when Dylan won on her. And I already had a ride in the race. So my first ride on her was in a group one. And um, Joe's done a great job to get her from Benchmark Company getting up here to Sydney and winning group races, and especially a group one. It's a oh, big yeah. turnaround oh, from yeah, a great yeah. train. Definitely. Did you and Dill have any banter then since, you know, if, it, if things were different, maybe Dill could have gotten his group one there? or No, nah, I think um, she had too light of a weight for Dylan, but he was he told me that she was a lovely horse and great ride, and he, he probably had a bit more confidence than me in it, to be honest. <laughs> Is that sort of stuff that you guys talk about regularly? Like, do you often share with other jockeys if they've had experience on horses? Do you seek them out to get advice on what they're like and how to go about riding them? Or is it very much, you know, magician never reveals their secrets? Yeah, we definitely share enough. Um, If someone asks about a horse that we've ridden, we'll say what we know about them. But um, I'm sure some people keep their secrets. (laughs) (laughs) Um, when it comes to Maria Mayer, though, do you reckon after the Doom and 10,000, if she runs well, come springtime, could she be an Everest horse? Yeah, definitely. She matched it with the best the other day. She didn't get beat much over three lengths, I think, and it probably wasn't her most favoured gate. She drew out wide in the car park and, and ended up having to sit three or four wide the trip. But, um... She ran on really well from the 200 in, so if she keeps improving, she's proven herself at weight for age, and I think, um, yeah, she's in for a really good prep. Oh, fingers crossed. Um, now that you have that Group 1 win under your belt, what is the race that you specifically want to win? Is it the the Everest? Is it the Melbourne Cup? Is it the Cox Plate? Which one? Which one is the one that you think, geez, that is going to be the pedigree, the one that I want to win? Yeah, I'd love to win Everest, I think. Um, I'm all for all the Group 1, but definitely the Everest has become one of the most prestigious races up in Sydney at the moment. 100%. I don't blame you with the prize money you'd be getting. 100. Mm. That'd be that'd be awesome. We'd, yeah. we'd love to see it. We'd be cheering you on, mate. I know when um, when Dill was running, we both weren't backing on the horse, Explosive Jack, when, when Dill was running through, but we were... We were cheering him through to the line because we were just so we were pumped up for him to get that win. So we'll be doing the same for you now for for those big races. Yeah, we love to see the guests do well. Yeah, it's great to be in those big races, getting opportunities. I tell you that. That's so good. Um, well, let's you've you've won the Group One. We're now now at the Everest, but like, let's go back a few weeks ago. Surround Stakes, I believe it was Ruthless Dame. Wasn't it you that thought you'd actually won on the line? Yeah, it was. And I still kick myself for um, <laughs> when James McDonald shifted in at about the 200 on Zoo Gotcha. And if I came in with him, I don't think the winner would have got a run. So I sort of look back thinking I could have won that race. But, yeah, I definitely thought that I won on the line. Yeah, because I remember I was watching and, like, it was super close. I had no idea that... Sunshine and Paris had snuck through on the inside there. But, like, saw Ruthless Dame come, hit the line. You looked pumped as. I went, awesome. Tyler's won his first group one. Great. Awesome to see an apprentice win a group one. And then the photo came out, and I was 
just as shattered, but I'm sure not as shattered as you were. Yeah, after the line. Um, yeah. And then I said, I was pretty sure. I went, oh, that's not my number. That's not good. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll, we'll head so we call this segment off the track. We try and learn a bit about our different jockeys off the track. So these are questions not to do with racing. A couple of dribble questions that we like to ask just to, so people can learn what it's like to be a life, the life of Tyler Schiller. So we'll go straight away. What's your favourite pub meal, mate? You've just won a race and you go into the pub or whatever. You go into a pub. What meal do you get? Um, usually, I actually... Go lasagna last night, so probably lasagna. Lasagna? Lasagna, that's different. We usually hear a schnitty, parma, lasagna. <laughs> Is that the favourite cheat meal as well, if you don't have to keep your weight off? Yeah, definitely. Can't get, can't get enough lasagna. Fair enough. And what's the beverage of choice? Are you, you, uh, you drink, drink your alcohol or is it mostly you're off it or what do you, what do you like to drink? Yeah, I like more spirits, probably CT and dry. Yeah, CC nice. CC and dry. I'm a CC and dry man. Yeah, I'm not. I'm a I'm a beer man, but that's all right. I can I can allow a, a CC and dry. That's for sure. How many do you guys actually get to drink? Because of course the weight is the issue. Is it only strictly one or two, or do you ever get to let your hair down and have a bit of a party? Yeah, usually a Saturday night, probably the only night I'll ever drink. I usually just have good food throughout the week and then Saturday is just a binge day um, <laughs> but I've been very lucky been blessed with being a lightweight yeah. I do it fairly comfortably Genuinely what was the celebrations like after the group one like did you was it a quiet night at home just to sit with your thoughts or was it not nah, hitting the city hitting the town let's go party <laughs> Both both times I won a big race so the Kosciuszko I had an hour the next day so it was very quiet and then <laughs> After the group one, I had to work at Mark in the morning. So oh. when you start at four o'clock, you just pretty much go home before 10. Um, but I went to the Doncaster because the owners own the Doncaster Hotel in Sydney. So um, I got got a few drinks and a feed there. Yeah, fair enough. But uh, if I was you, I would have been partying all night. But I can definitely respect if you got work early the next morning. <laughs> That's, yeah, it's unlucky, I guess, in the end. Yeah, it's all worth it. Yeah, it's fair enough. Fair enough. Um, any other sports that you liked or played growing up are you fo- or any other sports you follow now? Is it you into your NRL or you into a- AFL? Or? No, I don't follow too many sports now other than racing. But when I was younger, I used to play a lot of soccer. Oh, fair enough, fair enough. What so. position? Uh, centre-back. Centre-back, centre-back. So do you, do you follow the, the Premier League much overseas or not really? No, nah, not at all. Oh, fair enough. Oh, I guess he doesn't get to be up at that time of night. He's got to sleep for Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Yeah. I'd love to, when I finish my apprenticeship, watch a bit of sport, but at the moment I haven't done anything sport-wise for about five years. Yeah, I guess so. Like, well, you say that, you, you'll get some extra time come the end of the apprenticeship. So currently, what does the day look like for you? What's the schedule looking like on a regular day? Because, of course, race day, you're down at the track at whatever time, but just a regular day in the life of Tyler Schiller, what does that look like? Um, get up at 3 o'clock, get to work by 3.30, finish at 8.30 and then either come home and rest or just sit around watching TV usually. 
chill her out. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Um, and we talked about golf a bit earlier. So you are you a handy golfer? Would you rate yourself or are you just uh, there for a social game? <laughs> no, nah, just there for a knockabout. Yeah, I'll nice. Def- I'll definitely try to improve when I get a bit of time to play, but at the moment, just a knockabout. Yeah, and do you rate yourself better than Dylan or is Dylan better than you? Um, I wouldn't rate better than Dylan. I'd, I'd definitely be a rung behind. Um, <laughs> yeah, he, he's got a bit more experience than me on, on the golf course. Yeah, fair enough. We've actually got a bit of a story we'll tell you about Dylan. We, um, one of our mates just went up to Newcastle to play a game of golf and somehow he's been partnered and put on with Dylan and um, Dylan's got to the 16th hole and he hasn't had a good day and he's... He's packed up the clubs and he's walked off the off the golf course because he didn't want to play anymore. <laughs> yeah, so that's yeah. a it's a pretty funny story. One of our mates, it's a um, they actually talked, they got to know each other through us because there was a little connection there, which is pretty funny. But yeah, bit of a funny story there about that's Dill. Some, that's some ammo for you next time you're on the course, yeah. getting to his head around the 16th, <laughs> and maybe he'll he'll run off. Hillfold. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Just living his head rent free. All right, we'll get into another one. Um, if you weren't a jockey, mate, what would you be doing? Uh, honestly, probably harness race driving. Yeah, nice. Of course, yeah. I almost got into it before I was a jockey, but yeah, there's no weight restrictions, and my family's in in harness racing, so that'd probably be it. Could you either that or, or a greyhound? Greyhound, you say? Yeah. Oh, just racing in general. It's in your blood, I guess. Yeah, pretty much. Do you ever get to go down to the Greyhounds? Uh, a few times. Not too much. Wentworth Park's not too far away, so it's definitely accessible. Um, but, yeah, I'll, once I get out of my apprenticeship, I'll think more about training them if I can. Oh, lovely. You, yeah, I was going to say, I've seen a few jockeys on their socials are starting to buy up and starting to train Greyhounds. It seems to be a bit of a trend lately. Yeah, everyone. It's pretty much anything other than thoroughbreds is what we can do. So, um, yeah, definitely an industry I want to get into. Yeah, nice. So, yeah, mate, uh, touch wood, if it all ended tomorrow, you'd be off training the greyhounds and riding the trots sort of thing? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, nice. Is it something you could see, uh, like, as soon as it's over? Like, you know, hopefully in... A long, long time when it's time to retire. Do you think straight away you'll be into it or take a nice break? I think I'll be able to get straight into Greyhounds. Even while I'm a jockey, I think I'd love to start training one or two on the side. Fair enough. We'll make sure when you when you get into that trainership, you hit us up and we'll, we'll buy a part of, the, part of the dog so we can all be together. Yeah, definitely. 100%. We'll do it. Yeah, we, we need to learn a lot about the greyhounds and shoulders as well. Like, <laughs> my family, like, it's technically supposed to be in my blood. My family, uh, uh, distant relatives, grew up training it, uh, riding it, driving, and they loved it. And they're always telling me about it, and I've got no idea and how <laughs> it all works. And I can sit there and, like, I respect why it can be such a thrill for if you're, you know, you're from the trotting world. But like, I just can't seem to get into it. So I would love to learn a lot more about it. I get more nervous watching a tr- watching my trotters go than what I do race run. <laughs> yeah, that's what they tell me. They say they're like, nah, you don't get it. You don't get once you're out there driving and it's all going. And I'm just seeing, you know, these horses 
trot around a circle. <laughs> but apparently, if you come from the trotting industry, it's you know it's the best. So I would actually love to get amongst it and be a part of it because they tell me it's the best. So I want to learn. Yeah, definitely. Um, we're getting to your fashion sense now, mate. You're, you're known as the best dressed jockey, apparently, in the change rooms. Where does all this fashion sense come from? You, you seem to have a new outfit every week, apparently. So, where's it come from? I think it's more just the bow tie. I just change the bow tie every week. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm the only one that wears one, so it's got to stand out somewhere, I guess. Oh, so that's the secret. Same suit, different bow tie. Most of the time. I've got two suits, but usually it's just to change the bow tie. <laughs> Have you got a box of them at home? Just about 50 different ones. <laughs> Yeah, I've got, got a drawer full, full of them. <laughs> well, maybe maybe we can make a, a mock sports bow tie and we'll, we'll give it to you next time we see you and you can wear that one one day, mate. Yeah, definitely, I will. <laughs> um, just another one here. When we when you guys get back into that jockey's room, is it usually you four apprentices sitting next to each other or has everyone got their own spots that's allocated because, like, your J-Max, he's a big dog, so he gets his own spot every week or is it you chop and change? Yeah, there's a... There's a little seating arrangement thing um, that the fella that does the colours sets everyone up where they sit. And do you boys get to sit together or is it just luck of the draw on the day? No, nah, it's all the same spots as previous weeks, but um, no, nah, none of us are very close to each uh, other. Who's your bunk mate? Who's on either side of you? Uh, I'm next to Brenton of Dallas. Oh yeah, he's, he's good. We want to get him on the podcast as well where... We're trying to get yeah. him on, so yeah, no, he he's good. Much better to go on, or uh, a little bit, not too much. Yeah, more 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 Regan Bayless side. Yeah, that's that's what the name. I was just about to bring that up. That's the name that we've heard is the the biggest comedian going around in the jockeys room. What's what's the kind of chat that goes on? Is it good chat or is it just terrible chat going on from him? Nah, it's pretty good. It's usually. Just stuff to stir people up. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's usually something funny, though. He, he's got plenty of stories to tell. He'd be a good one to spin a yarn on the show for you. Oh, yeah, no, 100%. I reckon he, out of, the, out of the, you and Dylan and then Timmy Clark, who we've had on the podcast, three from three have said he's the biggest larrikin, com- larrikin yeah. going around. So I reckon he's definitely one that we should try and get on for a bit of a yarn in, on here. Definitely. Is yeah, he, he's, um... I hear, though, the quickest way to shut him up, though, is to make sure he's not getting a winner when it gets to about race six, seven, and he hasn't had any success. Yeah, it's usually that, or, or when, he's, when he's wasted hard, he's fairly quiet. But when he's, when he's riding heavy and he's having a good start to the day, he's usually up and about. I can only imagine what he'd be like if he came into the jockey room after a Group 1 win. Oh, honestly. Yeah, he's pretty... He's pretty um, tame after those, to be honest. Oh, it's no, more, right. it's, just, it's more just banter. <laughs> banter going around, fair enough. Fair enough. All right, mate. Um, one last question before we let you go. Thank you again for coming on. Um, what's next for Tyler Schiller? Like, you've just had your four-year apprenticeship. Like you said, in a couple of months, it's all done and dusted. You'll be a fully-fledged jockey. What does the next five years look like for you? Are you going to be trying to stick to New South Wales as much as you can, uh, go you know, over the borders to Victoria, Queensland, maybe even international, your Hong Kongs, your UKs? What are your thoughts there? Yeah, I'll definitely be in Sydney for 
at least the next 12 months, I think. I'd love to keep making a good name for myself up here. Um, so I'd love to go to Hong Kong one day, whether it's now or in the next five years. I'm not too sure, but it's definitely an aspiration. 100%. Would that be top of the bucket list, like your number one goal like to tick off? Yeah, I think so. I've ticked off most of my other goals, so definitely oh. it's probably top of the list. That's all you can ask for, 100%. Mm. All right, mate. Well, thank you very much for coming on our podcast. We really appreciate it. Um, it's really awesome to get you on, especially yeah after your, your resume's building, mate, and it's you're going to be real big thing coming in. So um, we're really happy to get you on, and, um, yeah, we really appreciate it. Thanks for the chat, boys. No worries. No worries. Thank you. We'll be cheering very loudly on the sidelines <laughs> next time we see you. And hopefully this time you won't just think that we're a couple of drunken yahoos in the man which yard. which we definitely w- we are we are <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> so <laughs> at least you'll recognise us next time but we'll still be those drunken idiots still yelling across the fence. That sounds good. Too easy. Um, All right, mate. You take care. Thank you very much for coming on. Thank you everyone for grabbing this listen. Um, keep in tune. We're going to get a couple more interviews coming out um, over the next couple of weeks as well. So thank you everyone. All good.